Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. We try to speak to issues that are going on, and we're so blessed to have uh, Dr. Joe here with us as the Surgeon General of the great state of Florida. We all have Governor Envy. My great fear in having Joe here is that you're all going to get it in a suitcase to go back to Florida with him after you hear things. So please, we need a few freedom fighters here. He's, uh, he's leading the way over there. But um, to share with us how we tra transcend fear. And, you know, the thoughts that I have, just to open up with 10 minutes, to kind of lay a foundation from a Judeo-Christian ethic. I am a Christian pastor. I love the Lord. I believe his word is truth. And I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. And so as I share these things, the church is in a unique place with their orientation towards truth. But we were talking over lunch with uh, Joe and Amy and all of us, and I was just, I, I did a refresh on George Orwell's 1984. And it just feels like it was just written in 2020. And, and, and these are a couple of quotes that I was just reminded of. This is a greeting from the book, and I feel like it's a greeting to our time. Now, this was written right after World War II. It says, to the past or to the future, to an age when thought is free, from the age of big brother, from the age of the thought police, man, that's where we live right now is the thought police, from a dead man, greetings. He's greeting us from this position that he doesn't know what the future looks like, but he is addressing our generation. This doublespeak that takes place throughout this book is what we see now in the new narrative of things, and that is the ministry of peace concerns itself with war, the ministry of truth with lies, the ministry of love with torture, the ministry of plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisies. They are deliberate exercises in doublethink. We now have language being taken over, and they want to get our thoughts. And the, the way they stop our thoughts from escaping into the real world, dangerous thoughts, as microaggressions and every kind of charge that they could bring against us. But the First Amendment gives the right for people to even be stupid with their words. Did you know that? Right? Now, I don't agree with people that want to uh, use their words carelessly, but I will defend their right to speak and to share their thoughts, even if I don't agree with them. He also says, if you want a picture of the future, because people don't understand history. I am a huge history nut, and reading a lot of history, I realize that soft socialism ends up in hard communism and a totalitarian regime. And people don't, people don't get this, oh, yeah, you, you know, let's just compromise here. It's like the pr proverbial frog in the pot. There's the water's heating up. It's getting worse. But he says this. If you want a picture of the future, if you don't stand up and speak with your words, with your thoughts, in a free world, he says, if you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Look at the Russian Bolshevik movement and where it went and what happened. I just finished. I'm doing all these rereads, right? So I just did 1984. I'm doing... Uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's 
archipelago. What a brutal read. It was so hard to get all the way through. It was like, it was agony. But all I could think of was where the promise of this utopia ends up with a boot on your neck in a totalitarian regime. And this is, this is not hyperbole in this age. I would have never said this. In 2019, I wasn't saying this. Well, I also just moved to California. So I might have said it. it you know. <clears throat> California is a little different. And if, we, if, you, if you live in a place, think about this. Last thought from Orwell. Freedom is the freedom to say that two plus two make four. If that is granted, all else follows. Look at this clip from our new justice, Justice Brown, on the simple question of gender. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not. The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. So, <clears throat> and if you haven't heard it, I've already heard it, that two plus two can equal five. I mean, this, this is a part of the narrative. In a, in a, uh, a world that wants to give up all connection to reality. The reality is, etymology is a study of the origin of words. The word truth, according to Webster's Dictionary, good thing it was written back in the 1800s. We'd have new definitions of truth now. Uh, it just people, that's your truth, man. You do you. That's your truth. That's my truth. We all got a truth going on. Every, just truths <laughs> bouncing all over the place. And I look through this narrative when I'm having these conversations with the 20-something, and I go, there's one truth and lots of opinions about that truth. So that's a very different perspective because obviously you can have a lot of opinions, but there is truth. He says, Webster, the body of real things, events, facts, actuality, the state of being, the case, fact, trans, uh, transcendent, fundamental, or spiritual reality. The word truth is easy, most easily defined as what is real. What is real? So if you are, understand the truth, you are connected to reality. And we live in a dystopian 1984 George Orwell season that has come through the indoctrination of an educational system that has robbed people of fundamental connection to reality. That gender can be changed when gender is in every single chromosome of your body. So just a few verses, five verses, very quickly, and we're going to move on. And that is the truth liberator. John 8.32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Dr. Joe tonight is going to bring the truth about medical studies and research that sets people free so that you don't have to be living in fear because you know the facts. 
You're connected to reality. Even when facts are hard, I would rather know the reality. If I go to the doctor and I have a stage four cancer, I'd like him to tell me rather than give me two aspirin a day and send me home. I want to be connected to reality. But did you know that the Lord gets angry with those who suppress the truth? It tells us in Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? Really bad things? Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. People that hold the truth down. That's why the world is going crazy because Elon's got the keys to Twitter. <laughs> oh no. E Elon's going to let people speak their thoughts and opinions in 144 characters. No, I guess it moved to 220, whatever it is. <laughs> but the truth has to be suppressed because the techno world is in unity and lockstep until Elon messed it all up. The truth personified, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, if he's not the son of God, he's absolutely a lunatic, right? If I told you guys, I am science. No, not that, not that. Uh, <laughs> I am truth. I am the way for you to move through life. I you would think, the guy's a lunatic. And I would be. I would be mentally unhinged and disconnected to reality. But when Jesus says it, he actually is truth personified in a man that came to save the world through his sacrifice on the cross for the sins of the world. The truth servant, because as Christians, it says Jesus telling us in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. The word of God is declared by God to be connected to reality and to reveal the real world, the spiritual world, the relational world, the marital world, the family world, the work world. And when you understand God's word and what he says about those things, you understand how vital it is to understand the truth and live it out. And you see the result and the fruit of that. Lastly, the truth dispenser in every single community and around the world should be the church. That's why we're here tonight. Because we are dispensers of truth. Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.15, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the reality or the truth. Every church should be standing up speaking about these things when they are off kilter. And these realities, why the church is rolling over, over half the churches in America are rolling over to this narrative. Nobody wants to search out the truth. They don't want controversy. Oh, you know, people don't like it when you tell the truth, golly, they might leave my church and not give in the bucket. <laughs> I have always had, I've been a pastor for 32 years. It is my job, do you know what a pastor's job is? Is to declare the truth of God's word and otherwise when I get to heaven, the Bible says I'm going to get a stricter judgment than you are because I read the book and I give a book report every week and I'm going to be in trouble if I don't give a proper book report. So my book report, one day I'm going to stand before him. And so I would rather stand before the Lord and said, Lord, I said it like it was. The chips fell where they may. Some left. Some came. You're in charge. Right? So in this season, people are missing the corona revival because every church that has stood up and spoke up, half their church went away. And the next week, three to times as many people came to hear the truth and they didn't have enough seats for everybody. Uh, 
Because the truth resonates with people's souls. It resonates. When somebody's telling the truth, you're like, right on. That's when you get the amen corner going on. Right on. Amen. Yeah, that, that rings true. I've been so blessed to have a front row seat to the courage it has taken for him to withstand the unbelievable amount of pressure he faces every day, the amount of projection that comes his way every single day. And it's difficult because he is one of the few bright lights in a world of darkness. American politics has been a very dark place for a very long time. And the old paradigm is dying, but most of them have not yet realized that. So they, they make it a daily practice to try to suck him in. They should really stop wasting their time. But this man is a hero, and he's my hero. So I will introduce to you the Surgeon General of the great and free state of Florida, my husband, Dr. Joseph Latifold. Hey, good evening, everyone. And really, thank you for thank you for inviting me to join you, and, and thank you for you know, thank you for being here tonight. I got to thank the pastor. I have to thank Amy and Mike, who are really phenomenal. Just a really special special couple, and we will be continuing to hear more from her and continuing to hear more from them. I am certain, as as time goes, and it's gonna it's gonna be fun to watch. And my wife, guys, believe me, really, really, really believe me, I would not be here for reasons, some of which I've said and some of which are, are would get me out of office because be like, oh my gosh, like guys, so I would not be here if it weren't for if it weren't for her, really. It, you know, my wife is it's 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 it, I can't overstate it, guys. I, she is, you know. For, fortunately, the will was there within me, in my in my heart, and in my in the in my soul, in the orientation of my soul. But she helped channel channeled my energy in a way that helped me become the person that I am. And I would not be here without her. And the things that we've done this past year would not have happened without her. And one day, I hope I, maybe I can share more of the. The details there, but they're just so private that that I, I can't yet. But believe me, that that that's the case. We are, we we all owe her a debt of gratitude that we don't even know. So, well, okay. So the woman kicked butt, and Brianna, Amy, they've come here. They've really lit it up, and it's it's beautiful to see you know, the courage, the strength, the clarity. The I'll say courage again because it's it's so powerful how these women are moving mountains, taking on really tremendous and meaningful meaningful challenges, and not for themselves, like unfortunately we see so often around us, but on behalf of each and every one of us and each of every one of every every living being outside of this church. They're not doing it for themselves. They are doing it for all of us, and it's it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. And they're you know, they're they're selected. They're they're irreplaceable, and it's 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 a, it's such a gift to see to watch them, and and I just it's it I'm just grateful. So so I'll I'll chat with you guys a little bit, 
And I'll grab a water in case I need one. So I see a couple here. And we've, we've already had really inspirational, really inspirational talks from the woman and the pastor. I love it. And it's interesting because I'm, we're going to overlap a little bit. And we didn't plan this, but it just so turns out that, that there's alignment in, what, in, in our words. So I was thinking about, you know, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? And, and I, I read a lot. And so for folks that don't know, I'll just share really briefly about my a brief bio, if you will. So I, I, went to, I, went to, uh, I went to college at Wake Forest in North Carolina. And I was an athlete there. And I was fortunate enough, really blessed, to go to Harvard for medical school. And while I was at Harvard in medical school, I completed a PhD in a research science field. So epidemiology, biostatistics, health economics, all that stuff. And I, I, this might particularly be helpful for anyone who reads the news, because you would think that I was plucked out of nowhere with no training and no expertise and just, <laughs> and just placed in this, in this position as Surgeon General of Florida by, by our great governor, Ron DeSantis. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and then I, I after after med school, I did residency. I worked at NYU. I met my wife during uh, during medical school, and and we moved to New York. I worked at NYU as a professor, and I did research, and and I took care of patients, and. And then we moved to Los Angeles, where I did more research at UCLA and continued taking care of patients. And now I'm at the University of Florida, and, and of course, fortunate to be in the role of Surgeon General of the state of Florida. So I read. <laughs> so I read a lot to the discontent of, of our busy media who and other people trying to trying to you know who make it a mission to undermine folks that that don't that don't play along with 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 the don't don't play along with the playbook and I, I i was reading on our on our plane trip here and i came across a paper and and then i knew what i would talk about today so this paper is is the the purpose of me mentioning this this study is to give you a sense from a scientific viewpoint of what we are up against. So this paper was published in a journal called Nature. Nature is an amazing journal. You know, people, professors will work all their careers to publish papers in Nature. It's a it's an outstanding, outstanding scientific journal. And this particular paper is called, was titled, it was published, it was published a few days ago. And it's titled, A Multinational Delphi Consensus to End the COVID-19 Public Health Threat. So, here's, the author's right in their abstract. We convened as part of this Delphi study, and Delphi just refers to a method that scientists use to make consensus statements when there's not actual data necessarily. So it's sort of, it, it's, an, it's a way of bringing together scientific expertise and, and hopefully reaching conclusions that are better than, than you might reach if, if you were working just alone. So 
we, we convened this multi diverse, multidisciplinary panel of 386 academic, health, non-governmental organization, government, and other experts in COVID-19 response from 112 countries and territories to recommend specific actions to end this persistent global threat to public health. And they say that they developed a set of 41 consensus statements and 57 recommendations for government. Okay. And they add that there were, of all of these, of all of the things that they considered, there were six recommendations where greater than 5% of people disagreed. So basically, a lot of agreement. So I, I'm gonna highlight a couple of the things that this group of hundreds of academics, and they're prominent academics, which is part of the way they, they, they get their, their study published in Nature. I'm gonna highlight a few of the things that, that they said, and I'll tell you how many of them agreed. So one of them is that and just, I, I'm not casting judgment on any of these, just, just highlighting them. So sources of false, part, source, ah, sources of false information undermine the social cohesion needed for an effective public health response. So you need to take that in. This, is, this was agreed to by 99% of this group of about 350, 350 academics and other essentially prominent people, 99% of them agree to this. Here's another one. Blaming unvaccinated individuals for continuation of the pandemic shifts attention away from government accountability. So this was agreed to by 88%. And what's, what, what, the reason that one's important is because it's not that blaming unvaccinated individuals or blaming anyone for continuing blah, 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 it's not that it's bad to blame other people. It's that it's, it's, we shouldn't do that. We should be holding the government accountable, whatever that means, okay? Here's another one. When the risk of harm to others is sufficiently severe, governments may determine that the right of all individuals to good health overrides the autonomy of any one individual to choose not to be vaccinated. So this was agreed to by 91% of people. And the fourth one I've sh I'll share, and there are dozens, individual medical autonomy acknowledges that individuals who have decision-making capacity have the right to make decisions regarding vaccination even when their decisions contradict their healthcare provider's recommendations. So this was agreed to by 84% of them. So, so there are a few things going on here. I, I include the last one because it's, they're saying this group of very smart people, accomplished, very prominent in their fields, they're saying that at this, in, the same, in the same breath that it's okay if you think that the risk is severe enough to deprive other people 
of essentially sovereignty over their own bodies and their ability to make, their right to make a decision about what they put in their bodies, which by the way, it is our right from God. That's, that's, and that ends with a period. There's not some discussion about, well, this risk or that risk. No, it's your body and that's, that's it. It's not owned by, by government or anyone else. At the same time, they're saying, and this is part of a delusion, that they actually believe that it's also okay that for individuals to, to make their own decisions. So they're saying two things that are in contradiction at, the, at essentially the same degree of agreement. And you look at this list and basically almost everything on this list, there are dozens of things, pretty much everything is at least 90% consensus among these hundreds of people. So there, there are a couple things to take from that. The first thing, and this is really important for knowing what we are up against in terms of thinking about science and, and policy, the first thing is that among scientists, and I, I think that it's, it's reasonable to consider this, you know, these are leaders in the scientific community. Among scientists, there is a lot of sort of a, a monolithic belief. So, so there's a lot, of, a lot of consensus, a lot of people all on the same page. The second thing to take away, and they, they've said it in, in, these, in, their, in their statements, is that mandates are okay. Like they are very supportive of mandates. And the third thing to take away is that they are also comfortable or really unaware of, well actually, they are, they are inconsistent, right? You know, it's okay to take away your rights, but it's okay for you to make a right to, you know, for you to have a right to, to make your own decisions. Only one of those two is true. So with that, well, what does that mean for, what does that mean for us? So the, the first thing, going back to the first one, it is, you know, it is, it's, it, it's a little terrifying. And I don't mean a terrifying and I'm scared, but I'm in a terrifying and I'm appalled. It's a little terrifying that there is so much, so much consensus, so little difference in perspective and opinion among scientists. And I think it is fair to consider the people here as representative of the people who were vocal in the scientific community. It's not to say that the whole scientific community is like this, but the people we hear from the people in newspapers, the people on television, this is that group of people. And they, there is, they are monolithic, right? 90% of people or higher agreeing on dozens of, of, of pretty powerful recommendations. Like whatever those recommendations are, that's a powerful statement that there's so much consistency. The second thing to take away from that the second thing to take, I mentioned that they're, they clearly are comfortable with mandates. So they have, the scientific community, there is a gap between their comfort with mandates and the comfort of just regular people with mandates. Like forcing people, depriving people of the right to make a decision about something related to health. They are very, 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 very comfortable with that. And, you, and that is, you, we need to consider that. 
as we move forward thinking about science and policy. And the third thing to, to take away is also something that's very consistent with what we've seen over the last two years. So they show that they're inconsistent, right? You have to, you, we can take away your rights, but okay, you can have rights. But they are in a group. These are hundreds of people came together and apparently not a single one raised an objection to the fact that there was clearly an inherent inconsistency with their almost unanimous support of, of, of taking away people's rights and then at the same time saying that they, they, they support people's rights to make decisions. Not a single one in that group was, was, was vocal about that. It were vocal enough that that showed up anywhere in this. Instead, they, they literally just walked by something that is, is enormous, it's huge, this, this inconsistency. So what does that tell you about where they are with judgment, with connection to reality and truth? You know, that should, that should be very concerning, right? It is a disconnect between what's going on up here and reality and truth. And of course, you, know, you don't need just this meeting. You can look at the last two years where very smart and intelligent people thought that somehow you could get away with closing schools and depriving children of, of the, 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 a, a major part of the structure of their lives. Or that even worse, that you can, you can have little kids walking around, you can force them to put something on their face and that's normal and okay and, and you know, it's not gonna hurt anything and it's not gonna hurt their development. So, so those, are, those, are, those are three lessons to, to take away from, 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 from this paper. And I, and I think that it is fair to generalize these lessons to leading members of the, of the scientific community. So the reason it's important for us and really for everyone is that it speaks to how we engage and how much we trust and how we relate to scientific information when it's presented publicly. So newspapers, TV anchors, you know, magazine writers who are working with scientists, citing, you know, interviewing different scientists to comment on, on different, you know, new, new study findings or whatever the issue is. Like, this is where they're coming from, right? This is where they're coming from, you know. Not every single one, but enough of them that this is, that it is fair to, it is fair, F-A-I-R, to assume that this is where they're coming from, okay? And where they're coming from is a place that may be very, very different in terms of values and judgment, right? In terms of outlook about life and what is more important and what is less important than where you're coming from. And this dynamic is something that is totally manifest in everything from 
COVID-19 policy to educational policy in terms of critical race theory and, and other loony ideas about what should be happening in schools and climate change policy. When people, when, when people were talking about, well, what exactly is happening with the climate and how should we respond? All of these things are, all of this is relevant to how much individuals can trust and how much everyone can trust the information that they're receiving. And another issue that is right up there with, with climate and COVID-19 and everything is gender dysphoria. That's just, that's another, it's a perfect example of, of why we all need to be very care, thoughtful about how we approach scientific information that is provided in the media. I will take a moment to, to actually do a little pit stop on gender dysphoria. One of the, one of the things that has unfortunately been a, an element of a lot of conflict has been this division that is just un, 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 often emerges for issues where people disagree. And I wanna say that this isn't about disagreeing with our neighbors or even agreeing with our neighbors, although agreement is great. But this isn't about disagreeing with our neighbors. This isn't about creating new divisions. This is about ideas and having, a, having, a, an, an, having an intuitive grasp of an idea. This isn't about, about being against anyone, however, whatever people feel about an issue, right? Because all that division, it only plays into the hands of individuals who use it to manipulate it, almost always for their own gain and, and essentially to get their own way. So it's not about division with anyone else, it's about ideas. And the ideas to, that, I wanna, that I wanna underscore is just this magnificent trick that often, often the media is able to do, and un, often, unfortunately, a lot of my colleagues do, which is to disconnect you from your relationship with reality and truth when you are thinking about something. So it, so you, just, to, just to distill this down, right? You know, of course, kids can think lots of different things. Right? It's, it's, you know, kids think lots of different things. Everyone who's a parent and, and pays attention to their kids knows that you can get anything out of kids. Kids think lots of different things. And, you know, some, some children, maybe a boy, feel like they're a girl, maybe a girl feel like they're a boy, maybe feel like they're something else, you know, you know how kids are. And, 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 that's, and that's okay, that's, that is totally okay. That's just, that's part of the package of, of, you know, of children and, and being a child. So, and, and some people struggle more with that, right? Some people struggle more with that, those feelings and, and you know, and it, 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 and it is right to be with those people, be with people and to, and to, and to share your love and, and support for them. You can, we all should do that. Like, that is what we should do for everyone. But instead of that, what individuals are trying to convince you of, individuals who have lots of training, right, who have degrees, you know, you have degrees in these areas, are trying to convince you 
that for an adolescent who is in a period of their life where hormone levels, there's literally a miracle happening in their bodies in, the, in, the, in terms of puberty, uh, and a mystery. We don't, we don't understand puberty well enough to, to be able to, to, to suggest that we have mastery of it such that we can manipulate what the hormones are and have a, have a complete understanding of what we're doing. But they want to convince you that, so all the receptors that, that, that respond to hormones, they are everywhere in our body and they're in our brains. They want to convince you, and they and they and they and they help our brains develop in the way the the miracle, the miracle path that God has decided, right? God's miracle design. And they want to convince you that they can, they can, interrupt those processes, and and change those processes and alter those processes, and there won't be a cost to God's design. That's one thing they want to convince you. The second thing they want to convince you of is that they can take the organs, the sex organs, that God has, that God has, has put into an individual, into a child, and they can remove or alter those sex organs and, and, and do that without causing, you know, without, without causing harm. That they can do that without, you know, without, uh, without, 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 without damaging, without hurting the person in some way. Never mind that the data show that that those treatments increase the risk of things like sterility. They may alter the development of the brain in a way that an individual doesn't achieve the same level of intelligence and, and cognitive ability that they that they would otherwise. They want to do all those things, and they want you to believe that it's not an experiment, that it's not experimental, and that they know what they're doing, and that the children are better off for it. These children who, inside their bodies, they would otherwise be experiencing the miracle of, of puberty. Right? So this disconnection from reality is something that individuals who are disconnected from values that other, that regular people have and are even disconnected from their own inconsistency, their own internal inconsistency, are completely unaware of that. Right? That's not reality. These treatments are totally experimental and they're not experimental in a way that is about research. They are in a, experimental in a way that clearly is totally inappropriate. The answer is not to, the answer is not to not treat people. You should treat people. You should support people. You should love people. You should counsel people. You should help them with what they're struggling with. But, and, but, but blocking this process that you don't understand in terms of hormonal maturation or lobbing off sex organs, that's not the answer for a child. It will never be the answer for a child. It should never, ever happen. We have to find a different way. Yeah. Yeah. It should never happen. Yeah. It should never happen. And, oh, we don't have anything else to do. No, that doesn't justify doing something that is wrong. 
okay? And well, if you take something off the table, then you find other pathways that are, other pathways that will emerge that are, that certainly will be better because, because the answer is not in there. So I was thinking with, with what's happening with trust in, in science, because you, you have to be cautious if you want to be, if you want to try and stay as aligned as possible with, with what you believe the truth is, knowing that, you know, knowing that the truth comes from God and we're, 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 we're trying to find, we're all trying to find our way there. So I was thinking, well, what, what should, you know, what, what can a person do? So I thought of a couple things. So one thing is to be very careful in trying to decipher when facts seem to end and opinions seem to, seem to start. And it's not to say that that's always easy, but it's to say that it's a good thing to just keep on your radar when you're reading articles or you're listening to someone on TV. When is the, when is the fact ending? And when are we moving into people's opinions? Unfortunately, this, this pandemic has made it very clear. Brianna was, I was caught off guard when Brianna said it's been a blessing, and she's right, actually. Had it not happened, I mean, so many things, I would still be in the dark. So many, many of us would still be in the dark because these agendas have been running for, for before I was born. I mean, these agendas have been running for a long time. So trying to identify, trying to just be sensitive to that transition from fact to opinion, because unfortunately my colleagues are not doing a good job of letting you know when they're leaving one domain and moving to another domain. The second thing I thought of is trying to keep your sense of context. Which, what do I mean by that? I mean the bigger picture. I mean, what else is in that? You know, there, this article is, is painting this a certain way, or this, or this scientist who's being interviewed is painting this a cer certain way. Well, what else is around there? And what else is around there? And it's not easy. But one example comes to mind. I, during early in the pandemic, I would, I, I would get so incensed when I'd listen to the news and people would talk about, you know, I'd, be, I'd be working out on the, every, every morning, I'd, I'd be on the treadmill, and I and I I listened to the news because it was a very exciting time to listen to the news, especially early in the pandemic. And people, these newscasters would talk about, oh, hospitals, oh, they're so close to capacity, they're so close to capacity. So what's the context there? And and there were times it, during the pandemic, early in the pandemic was not one of these times. The winter, this was true, but they were saying this in the summer. Well, well, what do you? What's the context? Well, the context, folks, is that, well, guess what? Hospitals, yes, they help patients, but they also are in it to make money. And so they run at capacity. Like, so them running at capacity, that's just what they do because a bunch of empty beds is bad for the bottom line. But here, these newscasters were talking about the hospitals running at capacity. You know, they're, they're almost full. Well, they're almost always full. I mean, I've worked in hospitals for many years. They're almost always full. Ironically, the time when they were least full was during the pandemic early on. I just, it, that, it's true. And I, I worked in the hospital. That was, that was literally the emptiest I, I had ever seen the hospital in all my years. So the, the context, it can, it can be hard, right? Because they're, they're providing these, these, this information to, to, to try and, and, and you know, 
I don't even know whether they say persuade or coerce, but they, they want you to believe certain things. But the context can save you from, from sort of walking down this, this trail of breadcrumbs sometimes. And then the third thing I thought was truly, and it's hard, but truly what, what you want to do, because it's hard. I, mean, I, I, I went to school for a long time and all this, and, and some people have that scientific background. But, and sometimes because I do this stuff for a living, I get disconnected from the fact that not everyone, you know, no, not everyone's kind of really, really up on like the science or the details. So it's hard to, to do those things I've described here. So the third thing I was thinking was, well, try and identify people who you think you can trust to help and help you interpret scientific information. And then how do you, how do you find those people? Well, one thing is you, you look for individuals who, you know, you check in with your, with your intuition, and you look for individuals who don't seem like they're trying to to, to persuade you, to bring you down some path. That's usually, especially with scientific information, like that should be a red flag. And it's not to say that sometimes that path might not be the one you want to take, but when individuals who are talking about science are trying to, trying to win your, your agreement, right, whether it's subtly or overtly, like that's a red flag. So right now, who are some of those individuals who aren't trying to do that? Well, my friend Dr. Robert Malone, my friend Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, my friend Dr. Martin Kulldorff, um, and there are other, I mentioned earlier today, there's a great book called Unsettled, and the author is a guy who is, uh, it's about climate change, and, and it's, it's, an, a, it's a wonderful book for anyone who wants to better understand the science and actually understand what is true, which is that our degree of uncertainty is profound, which is never how it's presented in the Washington Post. It's like a, it is a, it is a certainty that these things are happening and if we do X, Y, or Z, or we must do X, Y, or Z. So, and, 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 and it's like, after listening to this guy, and he clearly, no agenda, the author, just is, is telling, wants people to be, aware of what is factual, not trying to convince anyone of any particular thing. The very opposite of what newspapers are doing when they talk about climate change. So when you, when you find something like that, it resonates because the truth does resonate with your soul. And you, it's good to try and, try and key into that and be, get, get attuned to that because your soul knows when it's hearing the truth. Like individuals like that, which is not to say that they're always going to be correct, but they will always be not trying to mislead you. They'll always be trying to show you the truth. And those individuals, those are some of the types of individuals that, you know, if push comes to shove and you just can't figure out what to believe, at least they're a, you know, they're, they're a better source than anything else that you can, you can find. And then maybe the last way is, is to elect better leaders. And and Governor DeSantis, I mean, that is a guy. You talk about resonating with people, right, for, for reasons that they may not even be able to entirely identify. That's a guy, and I can tell you, because it is true, 
That's a guy who, in contrast, unfortunately, to most politicians, he actually has our best interests in mind. And not when it's convenient, but always. Like, that is who he is. And leaders like that, and unfortunately, there are not many. They are few. But leaders like that are exactly the kind of people that can help pave the way for less of the junk and more of the truth so that people have a clearer idea of what they can believe and what is actually happening in reality. And doing that, it really does come down to trying to be as in tune as you can with your soul and with your, with your alignment and your connection to God in terms of identifying, because unfortunately very few of them out there are like that, but in terms of identifying who in the crowd is really like that and who, like the majority, is in it for him or herself, because that's the sad truth, unfortunately, with many of our political leaders. So I, I hope we have time for a Q&A. Ooh, it's getting late. But I hope we have time. And, that's, and, and thank you again for, for having me. We're just going to be uh, following up on a few things, and then we'll wrap it up, because we have had too much fun, and we're a little long. But uh, I first saw you, uh, doctor, on Tucker Carlson, and you did the research in your state about the mRNA's effect on boys from 18 to 39 that they had an 84% chance of cardiac death one month after uh, the vaccine. Is that correct? Right, so we did a study using data in Florida and our biostatisticians did the study and they found that, you have to, okay, you of, of all, all right. the groups, of all you know, men, women, different age groups, the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines were associated with an 84% increased risk of cardiac death in the first 28 days after vaccination. The study is imperfect, but the, the, they're, they're, the study is imperfect in the sense that, you know, it's a study, it has some assumptions, but the, the, the finding was only in that age group, and, and it also happens to be the age group that has, the, has an increased risk of myocarditis and subclinical myocarditis. So it's, while, while things are not, uh, while it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily, it's not, it's not definitive, it is certainly enough of a signal in the context of the other data that we have that it's, it is concerning. Is it concerning enough, you would say, if your boys were in that age, what would you tell them, doctor? This one's easy. At this point in the pandemic, considering the, the number of people who've already experienced COVID. I mean, the immunity is very, very high at this point. It is, it is actually, and, and this is, it is actually a little, it's, it's nutty to recommend these mRNA COVID-19 vaccines at this point in the pandemic for any young man. Mm -hmm. And, and it, 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 the, the, the risk benefit profile because the benefits, whatever they were, have, they've certainly decreased because of the amount of immunity that's out there. But the risk has not decreased. In fact, in some ways the risk has increased because there, there are effects from cumulative dosing. So it, it really is nutty. And by the way, there are countries around the world that, that are, have actually essentially said that. They've made it look as if it's, it doesn't, 
they've made it look as if it's not what they're doing. But when they're recommending against young men getting it, like Denmark does and like other European countries do, that is implicitly saying that they believe that the risks outweigh the benefits in that group, which is deaf. I mean, it, it is so clearly the case at this point in the pandemic. It seems like the grouping is plus 70 comorbidities, four or five other problems. They got diabetes, obesity, all these various things. Because in general, I mean, even if children get, it's like a cold, it's, it's light, it's not very effective. You reading that study that you said came out three days ago, I'm like, I mean, it's already swept the world. It's a virus, and they're now coming up with 41 things to implement that, I mean, it's like, are they a little Johnny-come-lately to the party, or are they going to, I mean, is, is Wuhan working on another version? I, what, what don't I know? I mean, why would they even waste uh, the energy when a virus has swept through and we know how immunity works? I mean... What is the agenda besides big pharma or money or uh, continuing to, you know, the point that, hey, we must blame the unvaccinated, right, rather than hold the government officials that crammed it down our throats or in our arms accountable. And scientists are coming up with public policy that is political in nature to blame, you know, half of the country or whatever the ratio is. I mean, it's... It just blows my mind that there's any energy still wasted on it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true, and actually it's, it's part of the reason why, you know, we have a limited time. So I, sometimes when I, when I talk about these issues, I talk about something. And that thing is that right now the most important thing, in, in, from my perspective, is that people understand what happened and how they were manipulated so that it cannot happen again. Because that's what that's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's about. Yeah, yeah. So this is for future pandemics. How, oh, yeah. do, how do we, it's, it's basically debriefing yeah. oh, how, exactly. how we could have done a better Reinforcing job. Reinforcing the same Because these dissidents, all ideas. of us bringing out other information that's not the official narrative, they passed a law for doctors in the state of California that they cannot share any other information or they right. can lose their license. Right. So this is about prep for the next version of this, how they can shut us down, how they can shift blame. That all makes sense to me, yeah. uh, very much oh, so. Yeah, yeah um, we're not done. Yeah. So is there, is there any validity to social distancing and shutting down a country with a virus in the nature that viruses move through society? I mean, in general, those are terrible ideas. And, and so I don't want to get too general in terms of specific recommendations. One could imagine a scenario where you might recommend strongly that people isolate. And I can't think of exactly what that would be, but one could imagine a scenario. But the idea, what's more important, because it's, it's going to be, that would be a very rare scenario. What's more important is to recognize that the whole idea, this whole premise, I mean, it, it was just, it was, it was, it was built on a, a lie. And it's okay to call it a lie because individuals, I mean, prior to the pandemic, this idea of 
lockdowns had been rejected by the public health community because they're extremely harmful. I mean, there's tons of research already about the harmful effects of isolation mm -hmm. and you know, basically people not having contact with mm -hmm. other people. If you're poor, it's obvious that that you have to take on certain risks to be able to, you have less latitude, right? Yeah. Governor DeSantis, I love it when he says something like, you can't zoom in for to, to fight a fire yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And so it, it is, it's, a, it's an inherently unhuman and inhumane approach. Right. It's just, it's, an, it's bad, and right. like period. Right. Okay, so that being said, because we say it, but from a, a layman's perspective, only seeing a smattering of things, but just knowing in your gut what they're doing to destroy families and businesses and the economy. I mean, there's, there's a lot of other factors. Listening to Martin Koldorf early on, he was saying a public health policy does not take into account only the sickness, but all the other factors, which none of those things were taken into which is Perfect. part of the lie, by the way, because, and he's correct, yeah. because it's not that, Martin, you know, Dr. Koroff, he wasn't saying anything profound. Like, we literally learned this in school. Right. And just all of a sudden, my colleagues decided that they never learned it. And, and now, now that some of these, some of the, 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 the bills are, are due, and unfortunately they're being paid by our children and they'll, yes. for, and they'll be paid by their children, they're saying that you know, some of them are claiming that, oh, we didn't know. No, we knew, we mm -hmm. learned that in school. Yeah. So when they're, they're doing the workaround to put it on the immunization chart, uh, since when is a flu shot put on a, a infant's you know, chart, and the CDC will take that recommendation, give it to the states, then the states will embrace it. That's gonna to come to your desk, you're the Surgeon General of Florida, and where does that go? Where does that get filed, in the round file? You know, the circular file? I mean, and, and we, because you are leading the way. I mean, Governor DeSantis is leading the way, you as a medical professional are standing up, and without a DeSantis hiring you, it, it can ruin your career. Like, you can be done if you speak about these things uh, without um, the privilege and hopefully, when DeSantis goes to the White House in four to eight years, <laughs> brother, you better go with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when that comes, it, it's going in the incinerator. In Florida, <laughs> yeah. and, and it can't. It, that's exactly where it's going. That's exactly. So, we're not even throwing it away. It, we're, it is going to incinerate. I want you to know that there was a method of my madness, seeing that Dr. Joe is going to be in the White House one day as the Surgeon General. And, and, and if I have a problem, I'm just gonna call him up and say, Joe, what's up, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't work, I'm gonna call Brianna yeah, because I know yeah. it's gonna get done <laughs> because we know now the real reason that you guys went to Florida, it was a Bonnie and Clyde thing because the law was after her yeah. and chasing you out of town. <laughs> hey, thanks Dr. Joe for coming. Taking a lot of shots can wear you down by the war of attrition over time. So we wanna pray for Joe, Brianna, and this fight. So let's end with prayer. Father, thank you for uh, good people doing good things on behalf of this wonderful nation. And Lord, it's uh, finding people that will stand up and speak the truth in, in an area of science, in an area of medicine to help us and our children. And 
Lord, we pray that you would give strength to them, that you would be their strong tower, their refuge. Lord, that you would give them a voice, that you would give them the platform to speak the reality of these things and truly speak truth to the power of this machine that is trying to bring on this dystopian era in our nation. So, Lord, we just pray for Joe and Brianna. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks, you guys. Good night. Light in the darkness, I won't hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time's trouble. I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 whoa,